The Southwest WA Drought Resilience Adoption and Innovation Hub acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast has been recorded, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. It pays its respects to the elders past and present and extends that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which the Southwest Drought Hub operates. Hello, I'm Julianne Hill, Hub Adoption Manager. This podcast series on dry season responses is brought to you by the Southwest WA Drought Hub and funded through Future Drought Fund. In this series, we'll hear from growers and industry experts on managing dry season responses, ranging from early planning to tactical decision making as the season changes throughout the year and setting up for your following season. Any cost you've done to date is sunk. Like you can't go back and take that cost out. You can't take out a fungicide spray that you didn't need or whatever it is. So what you really got to do is draw the line in the sand and say, every cost I've spent today is done. And will this next cost I'm going to incur cover that cost and increase my cash flow this year? Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Dry Season Responses Limited podcast series. My name is Shannon Beatty and I am going to be hosting the next six episodes of this podcast, which has been brought to you by the Southwest WA Drought Hub uh, in association with the Grower Group Alliance. This podcast series is going to help growers when it comes to decision making after a dry season and just provide really useful information on dealing with drought conditions, especially after a year like 2023. I'm joined by Julianne Hill, who's going to give us a little bit of info on what this project is actually all about. So over to you, Julianne, tell us a bit about yourself, your role with GGA, and honestly, where else people might know you from? Because you're one of those people in the agricultural industry who I feel like we all know from somewhere. (laughs) Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, I have been around for a long time, and I can't say if that's because I'm old or well-experienced, but uh, yeah, I have worked for a long time in the agricultural arena. 19 years with DPIRD in biosecurity and then farming systems in beef and broadacre farming. And then after that, moving into GRDC as their regional cropping solutions and grower network coordinator for a number of years. And more recently in Western Dairy as regional manager. So a broad cross-section of agriculture and I love working with farmers and being in agriculture. My role within the GGA is as Drought Hub Adoption Manager And part of that is really about extending the knowledge, research and resources that are available and have been done over a number of years, the learnings from those, how they might translate into actions on farm for farmers experiencing dry periods or drought conditions. So WA, we don't consider very often has a drought per se, but this year has been extremely dry in the northern ag region, particularly with a one in a hundred year event and lowest rainfall on record for many instances. So in this podcast series. We're just trying to bring together a number of key people who are very knowledgeable and have a lot of stuff to translate for farmers that could give some good tips for managing this dry period. Amazing. Thank you for that, Julianne. Now, this drought and innovation hub that we're talking about, I feel like this is one of those things that a lot of people have heard about, but they might not necessarily actually know what it is. So can you just give me a bit of a rundown on what this is all about? 
Yeah, so the Drought and Innovation Hub was set up a couple of years ago in response to the federal government who was suggesting that perhaps there needs to be a key area where these sorts of resources are stored and managed. And in WA, this is run by the GGA or under as a project under the Grower Group Alliance. It's a perfect house for it to be held in. We have great connections with grower groups and industry. So this is a great way for the Future Drought Fund to be best utilised in WA where we can get all these resources in one place. You can talk to people who can have a chat about some of the things you're experiencing, but we can also provide you know, learnings from previous periods and also researchers that might be useful for you at this time. All right, let's move on to this podcast series, which uh, GGA and the Jared Hub have been nice enough to uh, bring me on board to host for a total of six episodes, I believe, but we're calling it the Dry Season Responses podcast series. How does this all relate to the Drought Hub? We're really lucky. We have a great relationship with DPIRD in WA and there's a seasonal response team already set up with DPIRD. For DPIRD, we manage to complement each other really well. There's some parts where we have good connections in industry and others where they have. And so we're using all of those connections to bring together a full suite of information for people. This series we've started now, we timed it so that people on headers have the time to listen and to hear, uh, to get any nuggets out of it that they think will be useful to them in this dry season. You may not be experiencing a dry season in your part of the world, but there's probably something there learning for everybody and the people we've chosen to in this first instance be our key speakers on these podcasts are well renowned people in their area so really looking forward to it Shannon and I'm hoping there's some really great stuff everyone will learn. Yeah I have to say the list of people that you have put together or the teams put together for me to interview over the course of this episode is uh, quite impressive some very well-known names in the agricultural space that I'm going to be chatting with over the course of the next few episodes so I'm really excited to dive into that but why a podcast? Why was a podcast something GGA wanted to produce for growers? We're going to be putting together a whole suite of different campaigns and one of those has been little video YouTubes and we're interviewing farmers, etc., and also, you know, good researchers and, and other people, extensionists, about things that they've learnt through dry periods. But this is another way, a podcast series, where people can be doing other stuff like driving the head to chase a bin, whatever they might be doing, they can also sit there and listen to this at the same time. It doesn't take any time out of your day. They're only short, but there'll be some nuggets in there. So we think this is a great way to add to our suite of marketing and and information that we're giving out. And what can we expect throughout the series then? As I've said a couple of times, we do have six episodes. What can we expect as we carry on? We've got some amazing people talking to us on these podcast series. Our first podcast is from Greg Easton. He's a farm management, farmanco consultant. He's done some amazing stuff over a number of years and part of that's around making sure your balance sheet's really strong, resilience, and also about how low and how what yield is worth not harvesting, what point is a loss a loss and just going over it because you're leaving too much behind. So he'll talk about those sorts of things. We're moving on to Dr Stephen Davies from DPIRT, who's a fantastic research scientist. Nearly all of WA's heard of Steve. He's a great mate and he's going to be talking about a number of different things, including, for example, this year 
spading in some instances hasn't worked as well as it should on low rainfall events. So what do we do if that happens, if we've got low subsoil moisture? What are some of the things you might consider and not do or that you might consider and do if you've had the right sort of subsoil moisture over summer? We'll also be talking to Grant Thompson. And Grant Thompson's the Crop Circle Agronomy Director and he's a fantastic agronomist, been around a very long time. He's also working as a researcher and consultant to a number of farmers in the northern ag region. Some of the things he learnt during this year in the 2023 dry seasons around varieties, time of sowing and preparation has been really useful. So you'll hear a bit more about that from Grant. Chad Reynolds is our fourth podcast researcher. He's been with DPIRD now for a number of years and has really been involved in that 2006-2007 dry season that the Northern Ag Region experienced. He found some really good learnings out of that as part of the DPIRD team who led that. He'll bring those learnings onto the podcast and have a bit of a discussion about how that relates to now. James Easton from CSBP is a senior agronomist and he'll be our fifth podcast person. He's a real good researcher and has done a lot of in-field research in different various roles. But he will be talking about what sort of nutrition has been retained after a dry season. How much do you need to apply next year or can you pull back altogether? What's been retained, especially around that end bank? So he'll be talking about nitrogen and other nutrition. Dean Hubbard with Elders State Livestock and Wool Manager and Ashley Herbert with Agrarian, who's a farm management consultant there, They'll be our last podcast providers and they're really going to be talking about state of play with livestock and what the dry season has done and how's pricing going and what's it look like into the future. We'll also have a bit of a chat there about feed and, and state of animals and fine feeding. So we're looking forward to bringing all this to you and hoping that you find something interesting within it. As we said, there is a impressive lineup uh, of people getting ready to chat with us. Overall, what are you hoping uh, growers and other people listening get from this podcast series? Well, I think the opportunity to listen to some of these guys and ladies to talk about some of the things they know really well, they are real experts in their area. And for them to be able to talk to us about some of the learnings over the last 15 years of dry periods and how that might translate to now and some of the management options and techniques people can undertake to better manage that, I'm really excited. And I hope that even if you take away one key thing, that's enough and we will be really pleased if that's the case. All right, Julianne, is there anything else that you want to add before we dive into our chat with Greg for this episode? No, but uh, we're uh, really pleased to be able to bring this series. Uh, Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to any positive feedback or otherwise. I'm so grateful to Julianne for joining me on this first episode of the podcast. So it's just really great to be able to have her on and have her tell us all about what she's hoping growers are going to get from this particular podcast series. Before we dive into our next interview, I did just want to give a very quick update on the latest seasonal climate outlook, which was released by the DPIRD climate team. And it is pretty much much of the same, to be honest. The rainfall outlook for the Southwest Land Division for the rest of the year, that's, you know, November and December, is for below median rainfall and also for warmer temperatures than normal. Uh, We do also have a positive Indian Ocean Diapole and an El Nino event. And when those two occur together, the drying effect typically is stronger and more widespread across most of Australia. That is enough for me droning on about the weather, though. Uh, we are going to get into our next interview, and I am now joined by Greg Easton, who works with Farm & Co as a farm management consultant. 
Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Greg. Thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Now, Greg, you're going to be talking to us about financial decisions and managing risk after a drought year. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and I guess just your experience in this area? Uh, yeah, so I work for Manco as a management consultant. I've been here for about 13 years. So we've been through some pretty rough years in the late 2000s and have experienced these poor years before. So hopefully we can offer a bit of insight into what might be going on in the thought processes for the coming year. All right. So my idea here, Greg, is that we'll start nice and broad uh, and then we'll get into a little bit more detail. So coming off the back of a couple of good years, as we know, 21, 22, very good years, gangbuster harvests for most of Western Australia. We then have had a not so great year this year, given the low rainfall. What different financial positions are growers going to find themselves in after that kind of series of events? We're probably lucky in that over the last couple of years, with our profits and increasing land values, businesses are as strong as they've been. So we've seen the businesses grow to somewhere around $20 million for the average farm business. Wow. So they've had a significant jump in equity. So in most businesses, 84% equity, so they own a significant part of it. And that's been as low as 74% on average and even below that in 2010-11. So the businesses are really strong off the back of increased land values and increased profitability. So they're pretty well positioned to handle what will be a disappointing year for those in the north. It is good to hear just right off the bat that things aren't all doom and gloom, that businesses are doing well. I think that's a really nice way to start this entire podcast series that as much as You know, we have had a lower rainfall year and it's not been as great as it has the past couple of seasons. Things aren't as bad as they seem. So I really appreciate you starting us off that way. With the different positions that growers are going to be finding themselves in as a result of this season, what sort of things should they be taking into consideration when managing their finances over the course of the next few months or even the next year? Yeah, so it really depends on where your business is at, to be honest. If your business is in a strong position, and it's got cash reserves or it had last year store grain and those sort of things, then it'll be pretty much business as usual. Where the challenge comes is if your business is under financial pressure for whatever reason, then it really becomes about conserving cash. And part of that is that if you're in a business in a strong position, you can make decisions that will benefit you in the long term. Like what we saw this year is businesses in strong positions a not great start to the year in that northern wheat belt, more fallow than I've seen in a long time. So several clients with probably 20%, 30% fallow, and they haven't done a fallow in a couple of years because the season has been encouraged to cropping. So if you're in a poor position, then you get forced into trying to generate cash flow and maybe not taking the most profitable option for the longer term because those businesses with fallow should be well set up to, for cropping next year. For those businesses that have found themselves in not as great of a position, what would you be recommending they look at? Is there anything in particular, you know, that you say that they need to, you know, look at their cash flow? What exactly should they be looking at? So the first thing to do is to just assess where you're at and be realistic about where it's at. And if you've got deferred fertiliser or after-harvest terms and those sort of things, make sure that those suppliers are in a position to be paid off 
early because you're probably going to need them for next year. And then it's really do a significant look at what your options are for the coming year. It'll be about how much cash do you need to operate and what is the most profitable thing you can do with the resources you've got. So in some cases, it will mean that things like canola might go out the window because we don't have the cash to buy the seed, but we'll be looking at cereals and lowering inputs because we would have had probably reasonable inputs go in this year. So making sure that we soil test and all those sort of things that enable you to make really good decisions, uh, production decisions. And the same as if you've got livestock, you want to be planning about what you're going to do going forward, whether it's going to be retaining your young sheep, getting rid of those because they're not mated, if you're going to mate, if you've got the feed on hand or can you buy the feed to, to run them through the year, you need to be planning and thinking about those decisions. I appreciate you giving us some specifics there. I find often when we talk about finances, we sort of just say, yeah, manage your cash flow. But what does that actually mean? What should we actually be looking at? Give us a couple of real definable things that we could be taking into consideration, I think is really, really helpful. I want to get into a couple of specifics when it comes to managing risk, particularly given that we are in the middle of harvest. What yield is just not worth harvesting? Yeah, look, mathematically, if you're in a poor year and you're cash flow constrained, then really it's the cash cost of harvest is the, the key bit. And that'll be around 200 kilos to 300 kilos of cereal yield. And it'll probably be about half that in canola. And so at those yields, you'll generate a margin above your cash cost for doing it. So what you want to weigh up is your fuel, your labour and your repairs and maintenance because their cash cost is going to go out of the business and don't worry about depreciation because in the end, the machine is sitting there and you really you're trying to generate as much cash as you can. So in the past, it's been about 200 kilos. This year, it's probably going to be about 300 kilos just with the higher fuel costs, higher wages, even though grain prices are higher, but it'll be somewhere in that range that anything above 300 kilos should definitely be harvested and 200 will be probably at the bottom end. And what we've got to remember is that our system is set up for harvesting. So normally we're seeding into crop, into stubbles that have been harvested and those sort of things. So if you're thinking about it and going, well, actually, I'm just going to leave this standing, but then you've got to do an operation later on, like running harrows or something over it to, to break down the stubble, then you probably would have been better to have run the header over that area anyway. So if you're not going to have to do an additional pass, then two to 300 kilos is where you should run the header over it. If you're going to do something, run a speed tiller over it or whatever it is, then the cost will actually be lower because in the end, the cost of harvesting and the cost of running a speed tiller won't be significantly different. I'm glad you clarified that because one of my questions was going to be, I guess, like at what point is a loss a loss and growers just need to or need to consider going over it because it's going to be too much left in the paddock versus, no, we can get away with this, let's just leave it there. How do they balance? That just seems like a really difficult decision to make if you are looking at, you know, harvest is only going to be 200 kilos. How do you balance that and and make that decision? Yeah, it is really tough. And uh, some of these uh, decisions that earlier on were tougher decisions And what you've got to realise is that any cost you've done to date is sunk. Like, you can't go back and take that cost out. You can't take out a fungicide spray that you didn't need or whatever it is. So what you really got to do is draw the line in the sand and say, every cost I've spent today is done. 
And will this next cost I'm going to incur cover that cost and increase my cash flow this year? If you're in a really strong financial position, the decision is slightly different in that what you're doing is you're going, okay, so this cost might not cover itself, but it sets me up better for... 2024 or even 2025. And some of that you would have seen. I was up at the Levy Group annual field this day this year and they're facing a pretty tough time out that part of the world. But there's people deep ripping at that time, setting themselves up for the following year. So they're making their businesses have been with the profit they've incurred over the last few years. Their businesses are in a strong position. They're willing to spend the cash flow to set themselves up for the future. So it's that sort of trade-off between if your business is strong, you're going to make these decisions that are the best for the future versus the best for the short term. Yeah, brilliant. So we're in a position where some businesses are strong, they're able to capitalise on the season regardless of what happens, others aren't in as strong of a position. When it comes to farm balance sheets, what key message messages, you can give me a few, uh, do you have for growers after a year like 2023? It's the same as we always say when we're struck with something like this. Review your position as soon as possible. And what we expect is that these businesses will probably give up most of last year's profit and maybe a bit more because we had really high input costs. Plan for the, the coming year and see where your, your peak debt is going to be because it's likely that you haven't been operating at anywhere near the peak overdraft limits and those sort of things of recent years and make sure you've got a really good plan in place. If you've got FFR management deposits, then have a look at the website and see whether you can draw down those early if you need the cash flow for March, April because there's a weather indicator on there that will show you if you're in a zone where you can do that. Many businesses will have chemical and stuff in the shed and some fertiliser because of reduced cropping programs. Make sure that you're proactive about seeing what you've got and what you need for the coming year because there's opportunities to purchase it for next year. If you're in real strife and you've got deferred terms and those sort of things that you think you're not going to be able to make, talk early to those people because it's easier to have the conversation now and say we've got to deal with this because then it gives people time to react and see where they're at. So there's nothing probably worse from that perspective to get to April and go, I haven't talked to anybody and I've got deferred fertiliser or deferred chemical or something that you haven't been able to pay back and you need to have a look at what you're going to do. If you made that decision in December, January and talked to people, then there's potential for that to be carried through to next year or some sort of plan worked out. So like all these things, it's plan early and talk to the people involved because otherwise they can't make a decision and they can't help you. So pretty much be proactive, don't bury your head in the sand and, uh, yeah, if you've got conversations, hard conversations that need to be had, you're better off having them early and being able to take action on those. Greg, is there anything else that you would like to add, anything that I haven't asked that you think is important that we are include in this chat? Just that you're not alone and it's and we see that anyway because rural communities are quite strong community focused, but you've got to realise that you're not alone and having a chat to somebody probably helps quite a bit. We've been through these before. 
we're probably better placed to go through this than we have been in the past, whereas in a period there was a, a good year, bad year, good year, bad year, and we're now coming off the back of three pretty solid years. So it hurts. No one likes to go backwards. No one likes to face a drought. It's really tough. But we've been here before, and, well, I believe, because I guess the farming has a viable future, and if you make the right decisions and act early, then you'll be well-placed for 2024. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Greg. And I do just want to reiterate what Greg said, that, yeah, you are not alone and there are people you can call and people you can speak to if you are going through a hard time. And we do have some details from that at the end of the episode. Uh, But thank you so much for joining me today, Greg. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Sharon. Pleased for the invite. No worries. Well, that brings us to the end of the very first episode of the Dry Season Responses podcast series. Just very quickly before we head off, uh, if you are after some more information, the Southwest WA Hub is always keen to share information that supports growers in preparing for and responding to dry seasons like we've seen in 2023. And they do have a monthly hub newsletter, uh, which you can subscribe to to keep up to date with information on the hub and the future drought fund, which funds the hub. You can just subscribe via the website at hub.gga.org.au under hub news. Thank you for joining me and I will talk to everyone next time. You've just been listening to the Southwest WA Hub's limited dry season podcast series. For further support for decision making through this dry season, the Drought Hub website features a collection of resources for the livestock, grains and horticultural industries. You can find these resources under the resources tab on the Hub website at hub.org.au. This episode has been brought to you by the Southwest WA Drought Hub, funded by the Future Drought Fund. If you or someone you know is in crisis, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14.